Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everybody, welcome to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It is Thursday, January 29th, 2009, and this is Jim Hedger from webmasterradio.fm, joined by Dave Davies from beanstalkseo.com, and folks, we have a great show lined up for you today. Today on Webcology, Dave and I are interviewing the founders of the Cut and Paste Digital Design Tournament. Uh, we're going to be moving through that really quickly, and then we're going to conclude our show with a pre-record that we did on Sunday with a lawyer named Michael Blacksburg. Now, Mr. Blacksburg is the lawyer who is representing a young man named Christopher Norberg. He was the person who got caught up in the Yelp complaint case. Uh, fella put up a, a comment about a, a chiropractor in San Francisco and got sued. It's going to be an interesting show, Dave. What do you think about the day? Uh, well, you know, I'm I, I'm I'm biased here because I'm I'm looking at a window at a gray, cloudy Victoria day. Uh, I'm not in Florida right now, so <laughs> um, I may be biased on how I'm looking at the day. Um, but as far as how am I looking at it, you know, as a, as an SEO looking out over the landscape of all things search related, um, I don't know what uh, what your take is. We didn't really have a have a chance to chat uh, too much pre-show, but. Uh, been and blessedly so um, a fairly quiet uh, quiet past few days uh, in the in the SEO realm of things and uh, and, and the online marketing uh, world in general from uh, at least from where I'm sitting um, no major uh, updates and, and these sort of things a little shuffling but that's just gotten to be uh, be the usual not back to the days when uh, I know uh, you'll remember them fondly back when we just had our once every four to six week shuffle and then you got to kind of just you know, chill for, for another four to six weeks and, uh, and, and, and bite your nails waiting for the next one. But, uh, uh, but nothing too major. There's some interesting news. I don't know if, uh, if you want to delve into there, but uh, obviously coming from uh, my neck of the woods, um, Google Earth getting, uh, is getting a 3D model of Vancouver. Obviously, I'm a little partial to that, given that uh, you know, it's just uh, about 30, uh, 30 miles from where I am. So. Well, actually, yeah, nice dude, hmm? I was screwing around with uh, Google Earth earlier today and looking at some of the 3D renders of Vancouver, and oh my god, that is so cool. It's one, really cool. <laughs> one, one of the most interesting new buildings, I, I think, really, in North America, probably the world, is the Vancouver Public Library. Um, the Vancouver Public Library looks like a cross between the Roman Colosseum and a modern office tower. It's a phenomenal building. I think it was an Arthur Erickson building, and... Uh, Google Earth just renders it beautifully. They do. I know when I first saw it, I, I happened to be on uh, Web Pro News, is where I first realized, oh, hey, this is this is going on. Of course, you know, one of my daily stops is there. Um, and yeah, when I first saw the picture, it was just like quick out of the out of the corner of my eye. Happened to uh, happen to see it, and I did think that I was like uh, the rounded arch. Right? I actually thought I was looking at the Colosseum for a split second until I realized I was actually looking at Vancouver. And um, yeah. Anyways, that was uh, that was just some uh, some interesting news. I don't know if you've heard the rumors too, and this is also over uh, over our friends at Web Pro News. Not that's uh, certainly the the only resource, but it's uh, it's definitely one of my favorites. Um, but uh, Chris, uh, good buddy Chris over there, um, wrote an article on uh, is Google showing political bias with the search results? Uh, yeah, I saw that. Oh yeah. man, I mean, like you know what? You know, no. Google's not showing political bias. Google is working the way it's supposed to. People just have nice stuff to say about President Obama and crappy stuff to say about former President Bush. What do you want Google to do? God. Well, and I mean, we're dealing with a president at the end of his term and a president right at the beginning when he's the shining boy who hasn't made any any mistakes, right? So, of course, when you're looking at things, they're going to be different. I'm sure if we had done this search... Um, you know, at the end of uh, end of the last administration, and, and uh, you know, as Bush was coming in, we would have had a, a very similar position where Google was showing bias uh, in in favoring Bush, right? Like, well, well, maybe, it, maybe it would, maybe it would have read something like Clinton sucks, and we'd have all said, no, he doesn't. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, the uh, I don't know, man. I mean, like, 
people are putting in positive anchor text when linking to uh, the White House website, when linking to initiatives that that uh, President Obama is taking on. And you know what? While we're, while we're talking about the, the, the president, I wouldn't mind mentioning another initiative he's taken on. Earlier today, it was announced that uh, the new administration has added a formal, former Google project manager, Kerry Jacob Stanton, to the White House staff as the President's Director of Citizen Participation. Now, um, Katie, Katie Stanton was at Google years ago. She was, one of the, she was one of the vested. She was there in 2003 before the IPO. So Ms. Stanton is very likely um, fairly well off. She's not. She will be taking a cut in pay going to work at the White House, but that shouldn't affect her too much. What she's going to be doing, though, is so cool. And this is one of the things I, I, I one of the reasons I'm glad that somebody in their 40s became president, somebody who understands the environment we work in, somebody who gets it about the, the new economy and the new ways of communicating. Ms. Stanton's role is going to be to use web tools that are out there or to develop new tools to help people communicate with the new administration. Uh, one of her jobs at Google, she headed up the uh, Google Moderator team, and uh, people who, who might have been watching the election closely might remember that Google Moderator was used just after um, just after after uh, President Obama was elected uh, as a way to suggest initiatives for uh, Obama's website, Change.org. I think it's. I mean, we're looking at the White House taking the internet very seriously. Uh, you know, the, uh, I, I remember back uh, during the actual race, um, and, and could have, I suppose, foreseen this coming, in that uh, Obama was hiring SEOs uh, to, to help ensure that the message being spread, that he was trying to spread, uh, you know, and I'm sure do some damage control as well was there. Um, but it was really clear right from the very beginning when he was posting, looking for SEOs, looking for PPCs, you know, looking for people to help manage his online image. Um, it, it was pretty clear then, and, and had we really foreseen that um, this was a stance on net neutrality, for example, that this is going to be a very progressive administration when it came to um, the online world, recognizing that online is a, is a, a valid and, and valuable um, communications tool. Uh, and, and I think that's, that is one thing that has been a little overlooked in the past, shall we say, um, and, and I'm not surprised to see this coming uh, from the current administration, but I'm certainly happy to see it coming from them. Absolutely, absolutely. I've been—I just got the hand signal from George. We gotta—we gotta motor through. We have such a tight schedule today, and Dave, you and I are, are just crappy at keeping tight schedules. A couple mm-hmm. things I do want to mention. Um, one of the things that came out in the news in the news this week: AOL cut 10 percent of its workforce. That's probably about 700 workers that are gone. Uh, that was announced in the Boomtown blog. Uh, uh, thanks, Kara. Uh, Big announcement from WebmasterRadio.fm. We're taking part. We're in, in a consortium with other media companies, taking part in presenting a new convention, the affiliate convention to be held in Denver at the Denver Convention Center, June 18th and 19th. And friends, check this out. If you can prove you're a working affiliate marketer, if you can prove it at uh, webmasterradio.fm, at affiliateconvention.com, at appspot.com, or wickedfire.com, friends, you're getting in free. Now, this is going to be a major convention. It's going to be held over two days. And it's, you know, you've been to the trade shows, you've been to the conferences. This is going to be a large affiliate convention. Um... Last thing, Yahoo released its quarterly numbers from last from uh, Q4 last year. Lost a little bit of money. It was the end of the Yang era. Um, I'm just bringing up my information on that now. And uh, yeah, Yahoo was revenues were down by about one percent, and the company lost lost about three hundred and three million over last year. Um, end of the Yang. End of the Yang era, beginning of the Bartz era. Carol Bartz, uh, former CEO of Autodesk, is uh, now the CEO of Yahoo. And actually, that's kind of a good segue to go to break because Autodesk is one of the sponsors of the Cut and Paste Tournament. And the Cut and Paste Tournament is John Fiorelli, uh, one of the founders of the Cut and Paste Tournament, is going to be our first guest here on Webcology. Friends, you're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Webmaster Radio and Dave Davies from BeanstalkSEO.com. We're coming back with John Fiorelli, 
one of the founders of the Cut and Paste Design Tournament. Stay tuned. We've got some great content coming up after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network featuring over 100 million profiles at hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. Hey, have you got that number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on LocalPages.com. LocalPages.com. And what if I wanted a business number in Miami? LocalPages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with LocalPages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, MSN, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one cent, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. LocalPages.com. List your business on LocalPages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. LocalPages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. Are your domains locked to the max? If not, your online brand presence and your entire online business could be at risk from Internet thieves. Imagine the damage that you and your company would suffer if control of your domain was lost. Protect all of your valuable domains with MaxLock. From Moniker, your domain asset management specialist. With MaxLock, even if your email accounts are hacked and your passwords are stolen, your domains are protected in your Moniker account. Transfer your domains to Moniker today. Powered by MaxLock. Delivering maximum protection for your domains. Find out more at Moniker.com slash MaxLock. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from Webmaster Radio and Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. It's Thursday, January 29th, and we're joined. We're privileged to be joined by John Fiorelli, one of the co-founders of the Cut and Paste Digital Design Tournament. John, welcome to Webcology. Hi, thank you for having me on. Well, we have to be we have to be really tight in this interview, I'm afraid, because we're we're maxing time on the entire show. So let's get through this as fast as possible. The cut and paste sure. design tournament. You have some major sponsors. This is a clearly, clearly it's a it, it's it's a tournament that's caught the public's imagination. Let's do the five W's: who, what, when, where, and why about the tournament. What is uh, the uh, cut and paste tournament? Um, cut and paste, you know, you can think of it like the Iron Chef of graphic design. We bring in digital designers of all walks of life, uh, generally young professional designers who are looking to make uh, a bigger name uh, and get more exposure for themselves. Uh, they work with studios, they work with ad agencies, they work with brands, and we put them on stage and we give them a chance to compete head-to-head in quick 15 to 20-minute rounds. Um, and we do this in cities, in 16 cities all over the world, uh, including in North America, Europe, and Asia. Now, in these 15-minute rounds, are they just given a uh, design concept and you say, go for it? Or are they bringing in stuff they've worked on ahead of time? Uh, none of the work is um, made beforehand. It's all done from scratch. We do, however, provide uh, the theme or the creative brief in advance, about one week in advance. So they get a little bit of time to think about it, to practice a little bit, but not too much time where it's overly structured or overly planned out. A lot of the work that happens on stage is actually fairly improvised, and as you can probably imagine, they're pretty nervous, and so there's a lot of adrenaline and a lot of nervous energy that, that creates what goes on on stage. It happens very fast. Um, we do it in front of a live audience of anywhere from 1,000 to 1,500 people per city. So you can imagine how nerve-wracking that might be. But uh, we've never had any competitors, um, you know, bonk or, or lose it. Uh, all of our competitors have done really well, so it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, do they bring in their own equipment, uh, their own design pads, uh, computers, or do you supply the equipment? Uh, for the most part, we supply uh, the equipment. We, we supply uh, workstations uh, from Apple. Uh, as well as uh, PCs for the 3D competitions that we do. We also um, bring in uh, a, a display called the Wacom Cintiq, which is essentially a, a very large monitor that you can draw on directly, so it, it helps them work much faster than with a mouse. Um, and the software is provided as well. 
So we try and make it very easy for the designers to come in, relax, have a good time, and share what they do in their creative process with a, with a live audience. Sounds like it sounds like a great event, and as you said, it's happening in 16 cities around the world. Um, and I'm just going to really quickly cover the North American cities. Los Angeles, San Francisco, Portland, Boston, New York, Toronto, and Chicago. Um, moving into Europe, you have like Amsterdam, London, Berlin, Barcelona, Milan. How did you get participation in uh, from all of these cities? How did you get this set up? Uh, the way we do it is we have local teams in every city. Uh, they serve as ambassadors to the community. They get people to enter. They get people to come to the shows. I mean, without those, uh, without those folks, we, we couldn't do this. Uh, we have amazing teams in, in every city that are composed of professional designers who want to see cut and paste come to their city and want to help. So uh, I've, I think I've recruited most everybody, and I, I travel most of the year meeting with the teams, uh, getting to know the sponsors, getting to know the local media and the local designers. So Cut and Paste is very much a, a local event. It just happens to be part of a, a global tour. Uh, so everything that's done for, for each local event, the, the design, the, the promotions, the locations, everything is done by local teams. Okay, now, I was, as I said at the uh, beginning of the show, I was looking down the, the side of your, your site. You have some major, major sponsors. Autodesk, Wired Magazine, Stash DVD Magazine, Wacom, uh, Pantone. This, it, I could go on. The, the list is endless. Now, what I'm curious, these, these are some uh, uh, heavy hitter corporations. They, they have a huge need for, for graphics designers in, in, in their work. Is this for the sponsors? I mean, I, I can see the marketing opportunities, but I'm wondering, is this a recruitment opportunity for them as well? It's, it's recruitment insofar as uh, they certainly want talent, but uh, some of our sponsors like Autodesk, uh, Pantone, and Wacom, they're the ones who actually put together products that help designers do their work. So a lot of our designers are happy to see those sponsors there. They're interested in what they have to offer. But for the most part, uh, we like to bring in sponsors who contribute to the, the format of the show. Uh, we're not there to just put logos up, and neither are the sponsors. Uh, the, what the sponsors provide are very important uh, equipment and software so that our, our designers can succeed. So um, just like you mentioned, you know, Autodesk and, and Pantone and Wacom uh, and, and Adobe, we also work with Adobe as well. They uh, provide those tools, and they also provide training and consultation on, on how the designers can best succeed at the show. We also have sponsors who just care about designers, like 55DSL. Um, you know, we also work with Toyota Scion. Uh, so we like working with brands that care about the creative culture and who want to not so much market their products, but want to contribute to something that helps designers, and, and we think that's, uh, that's the way they contribute now. So we're really happy about that. Okay, if we could just step back to the way the tournament works. Um, I guess there's judges come from each of the local cities. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And now it's, it's sort of like a playoff style. You get uh, winners in various categories from each city who will then come together, uh, assuming they're able to make it to the, to the show, in New York City. And that's where the playoffs happen. That's like the finals, right? It, exactly. The way it works is that each city's uh, tournament has their own 2D, 3D, and motion design competitions. The winners of each of those competitions, each of those uh, essentially three individuals, will be flown to New York to compete in the Global Championships on June 20th of this year. And that'll be in New York, um, uh, here in New York. And so the idea is to finally have a unifying competition to crown a global champion in each of those disciplines. So this is the first year we're doing the global championships, and I cannot tell you how long I've been waiting to do this. <laughs> it's been several years uh, in the making. We always get asked if we'll ever have a global championship, and this is our first year doing it, and we're very excited for it. Well, how long has the tournament been underway? I, uh, if I remember correctly, this is the fifth year of the of the tournament, the, the, and the lar- certainly the largest of them. Yeah, actually, we did we did a first tournament in 2005, uh, in the fall of 2005. 
Uh, we did a four-city tour in 2006, and then we expanded to an 11-city international tour in 2007. We skipped 2008 because we flipped seasons from a fall to a sing schedule. So if anybody's curious why we didn't do a 2008 tour, that's why. And so our, our upcoming tour is, is here in, in, the, in the winter, spring of 2009, and we're looking to, to maintain the same schedule from now on. Uh, it was too difficult to uh, fit all the cities into uh, between Labor Day and Christmas, so we flipped to the spring time. Um, but yeah, I mean, we will continue to grow. We keep getting a lot of interest in coming to new cities, including in South America, uh, more cities in Southeast Asia. Uh, there's a lot of interest in growing into Canada as well. So we would like to continue to grow and uh, with, with uh, good luck and good fortune, uh, we'll do that. Well, how does, um, uh, it may be a bit late for this year, and incidentally, friends, it's cutandpaste.com. So if you're, if you're a designer, you, you, you want to be involved in this. You you may or may not be able to get into the 2000, 2009 lineup, but there's certainly going to be a 2010 uh, tournament. How do young designers get involved? Well, there's a few ways, actually. I mean, we did just finish our test rounds for North America, but anyone in Europe or in Asia can still enter, um, and we uh, they will be eligible to compete in this year's tour. But if you if you missed out on making it into the North American tour or any other, you can uh, participate in what we uh, call audience design contests. We have them in each city uh, across a, a, a several different types of briefs that we'll be promoting on our website, where you can come and do your own 15-minute round, and you can come and play just like everyone on stage is doing. It's open to the public. Uh, you can sign up uh, to get a slot to compete, and. Uh, yeah, I, that's one way. That's another way that you can play. Um, and of course, if you uh, if you're ever interested in working with us on one of our local teams, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we also take volunteers at the events. So if, uh, there's a lot of ways that you can uh, come and be a part of the Cut and Paste family. And again, uh, like you said, the best way to to find out more uh, or to contact us is at our, our website at www.cutandpaste.com. Now, I, I have to ask, there are certain, I, I mean, I've been to a lot of conferences, I'm sure you know my co-host Jim has as well, um, we know some organizers, but there's, there's some unique challenges that you're going to face um, in, in, in events like the ones that you're holding here. Um, what are some of the, the, the hurdles that you face? I mean, you're dealing with hardware, software, you know, locations, a, a variety of issues. What are, what are some of the real challenges you ended up facing in trying to organize these things? You know, the, there's always challenges with technology. There's always challenges in finding the right location and the right ambiance. Um, and there's always challenges in terms of getting the word out. I think the most important thing is um, is finding the best talent and finding the best people uh, to put on stage. I, I, we put enormous amounts of, of effort uh, to meet new designers, to encourage them to enter. Uh, frankly, I consider our jobs to be much easier um, because we have such great talent and want to be a part of this and who have the courage to put themselves on stage. So to me, always the biggest challenge is just uh, sharing what we do with people, encouraging them to participate and, and to feel comfortable with it because we recognize that what we're asking designers to do is pretty alien and weird. Uh, to be on stage and to create their work in 15-minute rounds in front of a live audience is a strange thing. and We recognize that and um, so, you know, the, the most important thing is to just be really supportive. So our challenge is always finding new ways to support the designer. Everything else we'll find solutions to, and there's always a, there's always a solution to every problem. And thankfully, we have an amazing team and an amazing production and technical team that, that produces a great show. But at the end of the day, the, the show is really about the talent. It's about the contestants. Uh, it's about the judges, and it's about the audience that comes to cheer them on. So th those are the things that we spend the vast amount of time um, focusing on. So now there's there's got to be a, a real challenge that you face in trying to keep a, a level platform, like finding that much hardware that keeps a, a level platform uh, among everybody has got to be a challenge. Um, I, I can I can only imagine. Um, just between between you and me and, and the thousands of people listening here, do some competitors end up with a slight advantage in, in regards to the hardware um, that they're given, or, or have you have actually managed to find a way to to get everybody on, on a level playing field and, and and basically set up with with the same equipment? Well, I mean, thankfully we have great sponsors that give us uh, essentially the same hardware and software for everyone. So everybody's pretty much playing on the same playing field. That's that's not the problem at all. 
we do that because of the of what we're asking the designers to do. We want to be sure that everybody has everything they need. So, and the designers can use whatever they like. They don't have to use what we provide. If they want to bring in their own tablet or their own mouse, they can. But we provide all of that. So the technology is not so much of a challenge. I mean, we we are very thankful to work with with Wacom Technology, with Apple. Uh, we're very thankful to be working with Autodesk and, and Adobe. Uh, so as long as it continues and we have great partnerships like that, uh, I'm not so worried about that. We we find a way to make that work. Um, and the good news is that uh, a lot of people use those hardware and software, so they're not uh, they're not unfamiliar with them. Um, so in that regard, I, we're very fortunate. Well. We were very fortunate to have to be able to, to hook up with you, John. I'm thank you. I want to thank you so much for being on Webcology. Uh, the Cut and Paste Digital Design Tournament. That's at cutandpaste.com. John Fiorelli, thank you so much for spending time on Webcology. Yeah, thanks for having me. Take it easy, friends. Uh, that was John Fiorelli one of the founders of the Cut and Paste Digital Design Tournament. And again, that's cutandpaste.com. Go check it out. If you're in Europe or in Asia, you're going to get, you still have a chance to get in for this year. And if you're in North America, you have a chance to go see some of the, the competitions of the tournaments uh, coming to cities near you. And if you're in, in New York in late June, I believe it's June 20th, find out where they're holding it. We'll publish it on the Webmaster Radio blog and get down there and see the show. we got to cut to break right now, but we're going to be coming back in just a few moments with Michael Blacksburg, who's an attorney practicing in San Francisco. It'll be a very interesting segment. Friends, this is Jim Hedger from webmasterradio.fm and Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. We'll be back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, what's that sound coming from your computer? That's the sound of me making money with ReferBack.com. They've shown me how to... ReferBack.com show me how to turn clicks on my existing site into cash. ReferBack gives you free banners, mailers, even your own personal account manager. Oh, can they help me make money off my blog, too? Absolutely. Your websites, your blogs, they can all be making you money. You can even earn 50% commission on your first month. Put some into your website. Just visit ReferBack.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan from the Daily Searchcast. You know, we love bringing you the news every day, and that's made possible by the sponsorship of BruceClay.com. They've just made Inc. Magazine's list of the fastest-growing private businesses. They've exhibited and sponsored at my conferences from the very beginning. Bruce has got that long-standing search engine relationship chart, had been out there with the code of ethics, been a search engine expert in the field for ages. But did you know that Bruce Clay can do more than help you with just SEO? They can do PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding. Everything you need for success in the online marketplace, you can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years, offices worldwide, they've got answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Have a good weekend, Andy. See you, Andy. Hey, Jim, why are all the coders leaving so early? Doesn't your department have a deadline of, like, midnight or something? Me and my staff are here all night. I saved money on my staffing budget by outsourcing a lot of work to Offshoring.com. I told them I needed a coder, and they sent me profiles fast. My staff just filled in the little details, and now we're having margarita night. Offshoring.com. Fast, inexpensive, excellent, and on time. Offshoring.com. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the Search Engine Optimization Channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome back to Webcology here on WebmasterRadio.fm. We're coming back from break, and on the phone with us, we have attorney Michael Blacksburg. Michael Blacksburg represented Christopher Norberg in the Bagel versus Norberg case, a uh, defamation case, a defamation suit filed by a chiropractor against a complainant or a complainer at the consumer complaint site Yelp. Uh, well, I guess, you know, we might as well, uh, might as well start in here. Well, first. Uh, thank you, Mr. Boxberg, for uh, for joining us here on the on the show today. Um, Thanks for having me. I guess uh, I'm I'm going to let you kind of kind of start here, and if you can maybe give us a summary or, or give our listeners a, a summary of sort of what went on here, uh, and then I know I have 
dozens of questions uh, that I'm sure. just dying to ask you. Sure. Well, uh, this is uh, uh, Dr. Stephen Beagle is a chiropractor in San Francisco, and he brought a defamation libel suit against one of his former uh, patients, Christopher Norberg. Mr. Norberg had uh, posted a negative review on Yelp.com, which is, a, a, as a, Jim was saying, is a consumer-related uh, site. Uh, business site where people can post their reviews, both positive and negative, actually, uh, on Yelp so that uh, the community at large can get a sense of who the businesses are in the neighborhood and what other people who have used their services think of them. And uh, Dr. Beagle was not happy with what Mr. Norberg posted and believed that it crossed the line between opinion and uh, and uh, what someone has a, a right to say under the First Amendment and, and state laws, and crossing the line into defamation and slander and effectively uh, you know, harming someone's business and reputation. Now, the interesting thing about the comment that, that Mr. Norberg wrote was it was written back in on November the 16th in 2007. Mm-hmm. Now, I went yes. back looking for the comment, and I couldn't find it. What I found instead was a statement by, uh, by Christopher Norberg, which reads as follows. A misunderstanding between both parties has led, us to an act, to, has led us to act out of hand. I chose to ignore Dr. Bagel's initial request to discuss my posting. In hindsight, I should have remained open to his concerns. Both Dr. Bagel and I strongly believe in a person's right to express their opinions in a public forum. We both encourage the Internet community to act responsibly. Now, I understand that uh, Christopher Norberg posted that after a telephone call with, uh, with the chiropractor's office, but the chiropractor still went ahead with the suit. Why did it go that far? Actually, the, uh, the timeline that you have is incorrect. Uh, in November of '07, Christopher had posted a, the negative posting that was the subject of the lawsuit. And in uh, late December, actually in early January, uh, well, in, actually in December to start to go further back, in November, Christopher posted his negative posting. In sometime in late November, early January, uh, December, Dr. Beagle had written Christopher a letter stating his version of events and why he believed that the posting was factually incorrect. Mr. Norberg chose not to respond to that letter. Dr. Beagle then uh, felt he had no other choice but to go with the legal route and contacted an attorney. And an attorney had written Christopher a letter essentially saying, if you, if you don't remove this posting, um, we'll sue you for a variety of, of, of causes and you'll be facing potentially $100,000 in, in damages. And upon receiving that letter on January 8th, Christopher removed his, his initial posting and replaced it with a posting that said, I had a negative review up here, but I just received a letter from a lawyer saying if I didn't remove it, I'd be sued. So needless to say, I removed it. I had a bad experience. He put a couple of other things in there, but that was it. So Christopher did remove the original negative posting and replaced it with a posting that said that he received a letter from a lawyer threatening a lawsuit. About six weeks after Christopher changed his posting and did what the, the doctor had asked, which was to remove the negative posting or the potentially defamatory posting, Dr. Beagle went ahead with his lawsuit. Now, the posting that is on there now is a, is a posting that Christopher had put on there after uh, mediation between the parties. The way Yelp's site works is that a reviewer cannot review more than once or cannot make more than one posting on a particular business's site. So it's not possible for Christopher's multiple postings to show on Dr. Beagle's page. So the posting that you're reading is actually the third posting and was only posted about three weeks ago. Gotcha. Now, I'm going to jump in here with a question. I uh, I know a lot of this has to do with um, the posting of fact versus opinion. Um, and, and so uh, if you can maybe explain what the difference is. If he had gone in and just said, um, you know, he sucks, apparently that would have been a completely different thing. It would have been opinion, and so we wouldn't be in this situation. What he had posted had to do with uh, a, a 
you know, quote unquote fact or, or him stating a fact of here's exactly what he's doing. And so that's what created the scenario. Is that right? And, and, and why this, this huge difference between fact and, and opinion? Well, for the most part, you are right. The, the, the definition is, the legal definition of the difference between fact and opinion is actually not as clear cut as one might think. And there's actually uh, a balancing test and a weighing of certain factors. Um, to determine whether something is actually a fact statement or whether it is an opinion statement. But the easiest way to cut to the chase on that question is to say that a, a statement that can be provably false, um, objectively provably false, is a statement of fact. And therefore, it is subject to the, a potential defamation suit. So, for example, in your in your statement, you know, he sucks. That's not something that's really objectively provably false. Um, unless we're talking about somebody in a different line of work. But in in this situation, saying that somebody sucks is not something that you can prove true or false. You can't look to something and say, oh, you know, this person did X, Y, and Z, and therefore he sucks, um, you know, is not something that is, is, is a fact. It's an opinion. And we give, or, you know, the First Amendment gives a lot more leeway to opinion. Now, what really helps out with opinion, too, is, to, is something to prove something that's a, show something that's an opinion statement is that you're using facts statements of fact to justify your statement of opinion for example you know he and again we'll talk about somebody who maybe has a lighting business you know selling light fixtures you know he failed to the the person at the counter failed to ask what color my room was the person at the counter failed to ask what kind of electrical outlets I had or where they might be or whether I could hang something from the ceiling or not. Therefore, he sucks. Using, looking at the, at the statements of fact, one can see that the statement he sucks is one of opinion based on the statements of fact. I'm gotcha. not sure if that no. entirely helps you or not. And <laughs> well, sorry, I mean, this sort of answer is a pretty, pretty major question when, you know, this is our, our audience here deals a lot with, with issues like this and, and the internet uh, and, and sort of the, the fate of sites like uh, Yelp and people's right to, to post on them. Of course, it's going to have a, a huge impact on internet freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, how does, I, I know this one was settled, how does, um, you know, for example, we have an, another case coming up with a, uh, involving a dentist. Uh, again, the, the uh, defendants in this case had made uh, factual claims, i.e., you know, they'd use mercury, they'd use laughing gas, so we're getting into that realm of fact instead of opinion again. Um, and we kind of opened with, with these first volleys that we opened the floodgates through our, our medical practitioners going to become over uh, litigious in this area. I, I know it might be a little too early to tell, but um, are the floodgates kind of open? Is Do we have a lot more to expect of this and, and people's having to become much more guarded than they have been in doing their reviews online? Yeah, I, I I think we did. I think the floodgates have been opened in a major way, and it's not because people are suing. I don't think that's what opened up the floodgates. I think what opened up the floodgates was the um, ability for people to publish publicly statements about anybody and anything at any time. This wasn't something that was around, say, you know, 30 years ago, maybe not even 20 years ago to the same extent that we have it today, where... Any person can go to their computer and and post something on their blog, and if that's a if that's a if that's a public blog, then you might be opening yourself up to a defamation or libel suit if you're writing something about somebody that's provably false. No, that's not something that happened that we had the ability to have 20 years ago, and it's not doctors or healthcare professionals or businesses or anybody else who say who's opening up the floodgates by suing they just everyone now finds themselves in a situation where they're they are now swimming in a new a new world of 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 damages Every, people are now being damaged in a way that they weren't being damaged before and they're taking they're taking note of it uh, a dentist or a chiropractor or any business for example who finds that there are negative postings of them online and that those postings are provably false and that they could also show that their business is affected by this are going to fight back. Uh, I think the important thing to recognize is that there needs to be cultural systems in place, not legal ones, where we can figure out ways to diffuse this situation and also teach people how to, how to, how to responsibly 
um, post on the internet. Now, uh, given that Christopher Norberg rewrote or reposted this statement at Yelp just a few weeks ago, um, are we the, to draw any inference on how the case was settled? Um, in the end, who won this case? I think that's a tough one to answer for a number of reasons. One, because the settlement's confidential. Two, because the parties settled this case, which necessarily means that they were both satisfied with the outcome. I think that they both lost and they both won. I think that uh, in the ways that they both lost, Dr. Beagle, of course, um, you know, spent probably a lot of money and uh, and goodwill in suing uh, a Yelp reviewer. And in a city that uh, is a big Yelp city and where Yelp uh, got its start, that is a dangerous situation to put yourself in. At the same time, Christopher Norberg lost because he uh, failed to act responsibly uh, at a time when he could have done so and diffused the situation, meaning that when he first received a letter from Dr. Beagle saying, hey, I, this is all wrong, let's talk about this, or please remove your site, Christopher Norberg chose not to, not to engage in that conversation. In the ways they both won, of course, Dr. Beagle stood up for what he believed was right, in that he thought he was being defamed and he couldn't find redress through... Uh, through a casual system, meaning trying to talk it out with, with Mr. Norberg, and felt he had no choice but to move forward, and that the legal system, uh, to a certain extent, worked for him, meaning that uh, there, the negative posting was removed, uh, or the, the, the defamatory posting that he believed was defamatory was removed. Uh, in the same way, you know, Chris Norberg won. He stood up for his rights to post on, on Yelp and didn't back down from his right to do so, and in the end, uh, it was never adjudicated or, or admitted to that anything he posted was not defamatory or libelous. So, it's a tough call, though. It's a tough call. I'm hoping, though, that that it's seen that this case is seen in a bigger context, which is that it starts a conversation on how do we, as a community, interact and use this new tool of uh, publication. And I think that no, the I, know you're, I know you're incredibly pressed for time, but I, I, there's one question that's been kind of nagging at me while, while we've sure. been chatting, so I just have to make sure to, to you know, try and get an, an answer. We've talked about the opinion and, and fact um, and the difference here, and, and if something is provably true or false, then, then it, it is in the realm of fact. Um, what do we get when we deal with situations where we're dealing with things that are potentially fact, for example, but where... Uh, or, or where they theoretically would fall in the realm of fact, but where in, in a specific case we can't prove that they were, were true or false. For example, in the, in the case of the dentist, did they give laughing gas? Well, you know, after the fact, by the time this thing's in court, you'd be beyond the point of being able to actually you know, run tests and go, this is true or this is, is false. What do we do in, in those cases, and where does it now fit in the, in the realm of, of, of the law? Um, yeah, well, it's for a trier fact, judge or jury, whoever... Whoever's going to be trying this case um, is is charged with determining whether or not it's provably it was proved false or not. I think, I mean, you know, not to not to belabor the specific example that you gave, but I think it's going to be pretty easy to to prove whether or not laughing gas was used or not, and you don't need to do some forensic test of the person's body to do that. You can simply look at you know what tools and equipment a doctor has in their office a dentist has in their office and you could look at the medical records to show what was provided or not provided you know there's no doctor that i know of that's going to provide laughing gas or any other medication of that sort without having it recorded somewhere so that one i think is actually a pretty easy one to prove whether it's uh, objective you know false or 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 true Okay, Mr. Blacksburg, I have one final question for you. Is there a long-term precedent that's been set uh, through this ca- this specific case? None. None. Well, there's been no precedent. Be- precedent is set by by um, the appellate courts who rule on whether or not a, a trial court's uh, uh, judgment, uh, verdict, or whatever other aspect of, of law was correct or not, and that's what solidifies a potential precedent. In this situation, we never went to trial, so there's no precedent that's set. If, there, there, if anything, there's a, a cultural or a community precedent that's set, which is be more mindful of what you publish and be more mindful of suing, um, you know, if you think that somebody is defaming you. I think that there are ways of solving this problem without going to court.
You know, uh, Mr. Blacksburg, I think that's exactly the answer I was looking for. Michael Blacksburg, uh, attorney in San Francisco, um, whose website, incidentally, is www.blacksburg-law.com. Michael Blacksburg, thank you so much for joining us on Webcology today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. And that was attorney Michael Blacksburg from San Francisco talking about the Bagel versus Norberg case surrounding a complaint at Yelp. It was settled out of court. As, the, as Mr. Blacksburg said, I don't know if we can draw any inference from Christopher Norberg's retraction and new statement up on, up on Yelp, except the internet community has to act responsibly when, out, when, when writing stuff out there on the net. There is no delete button once you've hit publish. Dave, what do you think? I think this is uh, going to be one to one. You know, it's, it's like so much of what's going on on the internet right now, right? From from layoffs to uh, you know precedents being set. Um, this is definitely going to be a case to watch. Uh, it, it was really interesting for me to to have Mr. Blacksburg on. Learned a lot about uh, some of the differences both in the research and in, in actually having him on the show. So, um, but does this set the precedent? We're already kind of you know starting to see. There's another uh, lawsuit coming in. Uh, I have a hunch, and, and I think Mr. Blacksburg agreed um, that yeah, I think I think we're kind of we're going to start to see a lot more of this as the practitioners and, and uh, owners of companies have become aware that they should be looking, uh, they should be paying attention to social media, they should be seeing what's happening, they need to do reputation management. Um, I, I think we're going to start to see a lot more of this coming up, and uh, and hopefully you know the internet community is going to have to follow by making sure that we post nothing but provable opinion. You're listening to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. This is Jim Hedger from webmasterradio.fm and Dave Davis from beanstalkseo.com. We'll be back after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, what's that sound coming from your computer? That's the sound of me making money with referback.com. They've shown me how to... Referback.com show me how to turn clicks on my existing site into cash. Referback gives you free banners, mailers, even your own personal account manager. Oh, can they help me make money off my blog too? Absolutely. Your websites, your blogs, they can all be making you money. You can even earn 50% commission on your first month. Put some into your website. Just visit Referback.com. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. WebmasterRadio.fm. A service of new gen broadcasting. We're everywhere. SEOSeek.com is your one-stop site for everything SEO. From search engine marketing to pay-per-click management, SEOSeek.com delivers high-quality SEO services at affordable prices. SEOSeek.com can help you with SEO analysis, monthly reports, title and meta tag optimization, email support, and so much more. Want to keep your SEO in-house? Let our professional trainers teach SEO to your staff. Get a free quote and a free competitive analysis today at SEOSeek.com. Jeez, another year with no refund from the IRS. I got a nice chunk of change this year. I'm buying a new car and I'm going to Fiji. How in the world did you do that? I got in on TaxBrain.com's affiliate program and it's easy to make big money during tax season just by bringing them other people paying their taxes. TaxBrain.com? How does that work? With TaxBrain.com's affiliate program, I command a huge payday with their nitro payouts because I get paid for leads as well as sales. That sounds easy. How do you do it? They give me all the tools it takes, like dedicated publisher support, analytics capabilities, custom tracking and creative services, and so much more that I need to make money the easy way. Wow. With 140 million households paying taxes every year, I bet there's no shortage of business all season long. Now you got the idea. Make money off the tax man. How do I find out more? Visit TaxBrain.com forward slash affiliates to find out more. TaxBrain.com, America's online tax service. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan from the Daily Searchcast. You know, we love bringing you the news every day, and that's made possible by the sponsorship of BruceClay.com. They've just made Inc. Magazine's list of the fastest-growing private businesses. They've exhibited and sponsored at my conferences from the very beginning. Bruce has got that long-standing search engine relationship chart. Had been out there with the code of ethics, been a search engine expert in the field for ages. But did you know that Bruce Clay can do more than help you with just SEO? They can do PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding. Everything you need for success in the online marketplace, you can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years, offices worldwide, they've got answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Bruce Clay Incorporated. 
Affiliate marketing is changing rapidly. Stay ahead of the trends with Affiliate Marketing Insider. Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Affiliate Marketing Channel. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Deaton. We're back here on Webcology, here on WebmasterRadio.fm. It's Thursday, January the 29th, and you know we just have enough time left in the show to tell you what's coming up next here on Webmaster Radio. This, I love Thursdays. Thursdays are, every day on Webmaster Radio is a treat, but Thursdays are an especially fun day because we have a totally full lineup. All the sh- Almost all the shows are live. And the next one that's coming up after us is Affiliate Marketing Insider with Linda Woods. And Linda's going to be speaking with M3 Mobile President Gary Ackerman. Now, I mean, affiliate marketing is hot right now. Mobile's hot right now. Linda's show coming up after ours. Well, it's going to be hot. Following Linda, we have the one and only Ms. Vanessa Fox on Office Hours. And this is going to be doing, this is going to be her first live show. Anybody has any questions for her? Post them to the webmasterradio.fm chat room or go over to Jane and Robot and post them up there. And if anyone follows Vanessa's uh, Twitter stream, about five, six minutes ago, she put up a link um, a link asking for people to, to, to add questions. Okay, so we have Affiliate Marketing Insider coming up next. We have Office Hours coming up directly after that. Directly after that, we have a special edition of, hey, George, I don't have the line up in front of me. We have Rainmakers coming up after that, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We have Rainmaker coming up after that. And who, check out this guest. Check check out Rainmaker's guest. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Michael and Margaret Corda. These are the publisher's publishers. Um, these are serious heavyweights in the publishing industry. And Darren and Brandy have them. Online in the studio here on WebmasterRadio.fm. Following Rainmaker, we have a special preview of SMX West, which is coming up in a couple weeks over there in Santa Clara. And incidentally, friends, if you haven't signed up for SMX yet, go sign up. Search marketingexpo.com. Get your name in there. Get on. Get down to Santa Clara, California. SMX, one of the best conferences you're ever going to get to. George, I think we're running down the clock here pretty quickly. I know yeah. that you're a little bit nervous about time, but I'm just making you more nervous by going on and on and on. So I'm just going to close out here. This is Webcology on <laughs> WebmasterRadio.fm. Uh, this is Jim Hedger from Webmaster Radio, joined by Dave Davies from Beanstalk SEO. Stick around, WebmasterRadio.fm all day, friends. we got some incredible con- uh, content coming up. And friends, thanks for listening.